Welcome to the Bro Four Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is our spoilers review of the new M. Night Shyamalan movie, Old. And I am your host, the mayor, Jeff Hornacek, joined by the only person on pod who could talk about this movie with me, our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycli. And we are here to review this film as we do all of our movies on the five Bro Four Squad criteria, which is the acting, the story, our favorite scene, its rewatchability, and then the impact of the film going forward. And Cycli, before we get into the acting and cast, because I actually think we're going to have a lot to say about that, just so people have a little bit of context and perspective, uh, what is your feeling on M. Night Shyamalan as a writer-director? Because he is a very polarizing force, I feel like, in Hollywood. And it's important for people to know, all right, do these guys typically not like Shyamalan movies? Or they yeah. typically drink in the Kool-Aid or maybe something in between. I, I think I'm definitely something in between. I, you know what I attribute it to? These are like the Saw movies for us. You know, we, we are suckers for the Saw movies. Like We'll go every single time, even though it might not be great. I'm that way with M. Night Shyamalan. Um, I just appreciate original storytelling. And a lot of times, yeah, it doesn't really come to anything great. Sometimes you're walking out like, what the hell? But I still appreciate him uh, more so than most, I think. Um, obviously, we're not getting like Sixth Sense uh, and Unbreakable every single time we're seeing his movies. But I actually, I, I will be a stand for him uh, for sure. I will keep going to his movies and like, like I did for this one going opening weekend. Yeah, I'm with you. I just appreciate that he takes big swings, you know, especially like he had a pretty rough like half decade to decade stretch which i'll get into an impact i put his movies in three tiers but i just like that he's like dude i don't give a fuck i'm gonna go big or go home every time and it's i'm not gonna have a 100 percent success rate but at least in hollywood now it's not based on i mean i know this was based on a loosely on a short graphic novel but he's not taking old ip except for avatar the last airbender uh, he's writing original ideas and he's trying something new which i really appreciate. in a world right now where we're surrounded by remakes and reboots I just don't know how you can root against it. I mean, again, you you don't have to like it, but you, you I would rather have them churning out these kind of movies. Yeah. Than, you know, 10th time iteration of, of a certain movie again. So I'm like, I'll, I'm all for it. So I was for sure. And if he has a movie that sucks, we've said it sucks, but we definitely go in. I go in giving him a chance every time. I don't yeah. write him off. And actually, I go in with the anticipation that there's a good chance it might suck, or there's a good chance I might really like it. Like, mm-hmm. you're kind of on your toes. That's the new twist of his movies. Kind of, yeah. The twist is, was it trash or was it really interesting? Yeah. Fuck, I did not see that coming. <laughs> Fuck, it was good. <laughs> All right, first category is the acting and the cast. Now, you and I actually talked about this off-pod. I think one of the weaknesses in M. Night Shyamalan is he is not a good actor's director, typically. Like, his movies that don't work, I think... You can talk about twists all you want, whether they hit or miss, but the one thing I always come back to, I think his two worst movies are After Earth, uh, The Happening, and Lady in the Water, and I think all of those struggle with bad acting performances. So what did you think of uh, what the actors gave us in old? Because it's a really interesting ask for an actor. Yeah, The Happening is rough. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of want to watch that one again because it's been so long. Um, I thought, you know, uh, if we're grading this on a tier of M. Night Shyamalan movies, I actually didn't think the acting was that bad. Um, you know, if we're, if we're grading this on a normal grade, I thought the, 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 it was subpar. Um, but I actually expected worse going in. I will say that. Uh, I thought the weakest was, 
Vicky Kripes, I think is how she used to say her name. She played yeah. the mom, the, the museum excavator. And I just felt, and there could have been a language barrier that drawn into this. I just, she just seemed like, I don't know, not really there the whole time. Um, and and I, you could argue she was given the most meat on the bone in terms of the character. Yeah, I think she was by far the main focus, I felt. Yeah. Um, and, but I felt like her husband, yeah, Gail Bernal, like who played Guy, was was very good. I thought mm-hmm. he was. Uh, I thought you you know you mentioned this Hafad Rufus Sewell, who was the doctor who was dealing with like schizophrenia or dementia. Um, he was great. But I thought the interesting thing I want to get your take is on the kids because you have these kids who are developing into adults really quickly, quicker than you know adults are developing into old people. Um, and so I wonder what was tasked to the actors where they're still playing, you know, a six-year-old mindset and now they're like 20s. And I didn't know yeah. if that contributed to what felt like could be weak performances. They weren't bad by any means, but they weren't strong. Yeah, it's weird because like, so Alex Wolf, who plays Trent at age 15 is what IMDb says. And then Thomason McKenzie plays Maddox, his sister, age 16. Like you said, they have to play someone who has aged you know seven eight nine years in a span of an hour and even though they say mentally their mind is kind of going along with it is lagging behind their body obviously so that's a really weird like as an actor i'm like well what the fuck does that even look like process like no matter no brain can process that amount of change because which is why you know it was interesting that they brought up like the they, they had sex or the you know the other two had sex because like clearly their body was still wanting and naturally, you know, right. growing fires. And then on top of that, Alex Wolf, who I think has actually been great in a lot of his other stuff, like Hereditary, he just was not working for me in this. But also, it's not just that he's asked to play a 15-year-old who was, you know, six an hour and a half ago. He's having to go through traumatic things as that 15-year-old. Yeah. Losing <laughs> right. He's not just dealing with puberty and his first crush. And again, spoilers, if you couldn't see it off the top. But, like, he's dealing with that person dying, and then he's dealing with, like, his basically looking around, and there's death all around him, things like that. So it's a really bizarre ass. It's like, we only had sex once. It doesn't have to take, like, ten times. Yeah, I thought you'd do it, like, a million times. <laughs> but it's funny because, like, you're, like, you get – because that, that's someone who's developed into these feelings but doesn't understand them. Literally, like, you know, I, I, don't, I thought that was – You had a great was, line about – uh, like them having sex off pod, I think you need to share with people. Oh yeah, like what? What did you say? You said it was kind of funny, like how they brought that up, like the, they had sex and had a baby, and I was like, it was their first time, so he probably lasted like thirty seconds. But I was like, and you think he bragged to her? Like he's like, babe, yeah, it was thirty seconds, but really on this beach, it's like that was worth like thirty days. Like <laughs> I'm a marathon man. Yeah, that was like basically tantric sex, you know. I thought that was hilarious because there was no plausible deniability. Their parents were like, did you have sex? They're like, no. Well, she's six months pregnant, so. She's like, I just gained a little weight. I've been eating the pasta salad, which, by the way, you guys should try. First of all, was there not a fork? I mean. That was weird, yeah. That was bizarre. Uh, Everyone in my theater was kind of grossed out by that scene. Yeah. Uh, Last thing I want to say on acting and cast. So first off, Aaron Fury played mid-sized sedan. I actually thought he was really good in this, and I haven't seen him in anything prior. Yeah. And mid-sized sedan is an incredible rapper. <laughs> it's so modest, you know? He could be luxury vehicle, but he's not. No, he just he's being real. He, that's, and that's what a mid-sized sedan would do. It is what it is. We tell it like it is. 
<laughs> get you from point A to point B, like we said. Exactly, about. economically. And then our boy from, of course, from the original Saw, and he was in Rush Hour, Ken Lung, who played uh, Jiren. I don't know. It, it, this is to me like the issue with M Night Shyamalan. In every movie that doesn't work, I feel like there's one actor that's not really bought into the concept. He's like, mm-hmm. "What the fuck is this about?" And that's what I felt about Ken Lung's performance in this. Yeah. When he says, I'm on the swim team, I'm like, dude, he thinks this movie is stupid. <laughs> yes, he's yeah. I can, first of all, why didn't you do that earlier then when you were younger? Because <laughs> like, Great I mean, question. I, I thought that, and there was a scene where he like is discovering, he kind of like puts it together, what's happening on the island. And he's like the magnetic poles, you know, the, the earth focuses on the rocks on this island and the things age rapidly but that explanation and then the way the camera like zoomed in on everyone that was so bizarre i was like that was i don't know if you remember that scene but I was yeah like, and again i don't need the explanation to be anything crazy like it's just interesting enough but i feel like m night was even like look i'm not 100 percent sure here uh just kind of go along with it because it's just the premise i really want to yeah yeah explore. Sure. all right you ready to move on to the story and the yeah. plot Right, according to IMDb, a family on a tropical holiday discovers that the secluded beach where they are relaxing for a few hours is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day. So, Cycli, we talk about this a lot with M. Night. I think his movies a lot of times are predicated, most of them, on the twist, quote-unquote, at the end. And as we've talked about with the Saw movies... Sometimes it's unfair as an audience member because we have that preconceived idea that there's going to be a twist and we come in and instead of really enjoying all the little bits of the narrative along the way, we're trying to get out in front of it and predict what it is. Um, how did you feel about, number one, the I guess the premise of old and since this is spoilers, we kind of decided it's more of just like an explanation at the end of the film. Yeah, I, I actually, so you and I have talked about this a long time, right? Just the concept of aging. I, I remember I read somewhere online years ago, and it really stuck with me, was, you know, when you're getting older, you don't realize your parents are getting older, too. Yeah. And I just remember hearing that, and that like, just really hitting you. Because it's true, when you're growing up, you don't think about that. You, you're, you are changing. No one else is. Um, and so I love this concept. It, it was really, actually, I was got emotional uh, towards the end of the movie because there's something that like so tugs at our heartstrings about aging and losing loved ones in that way. So the story itself did really, uh, to me, just stick its landing. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really, you know, a concept that would relate to most audiences along, uh, unlike some of his movies like Lady in the Water or or a few of his other ones, like The Happening. Like, okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think struck a chord with me and I think it with others. I mean, I know how the reviews have come out like 50, 50 essentially. Um, but I thought the concept was great. And I, I, again, you mentioned the twists. I think we've gotten to a point with M night that we now know we're not getting the sixth sense ending. And, and that's helped redeem him in a little bit. I think in the early two thousands, it was like expected and it was missing the mark every time because people were like demanding a twist. Right. Got to a point to where like, look, just give me a good story and you don't have to blow my mind with a twist because otherwise that's all I'm thinking about. And this one was perfect. You you can go, you can take it from here because like you said, it was an explanation. And I actually thought it was a valid explanation. I I think it brings up great ethical questions. 100%. If this happened in real life. So yeah, take it from there. Well, yeah, and I maybe it's just because 
I, I think the concept is so interesting. Like, like you said, the idea of aging in a day and as the people start to realize what is happening, like their different ways of coping with it is really interesting to me, fun to watch on film. That yeah. I don't care so much about like why the beach is doing it. Exactly. Some people, a lot of the reviews that people didn't like the movie, it, it might be based on performances or it might be based on that explanation, but I didn't really give a shit about that. I was like, I, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's the beach that ages you. Let's go from there. Just live with it. Yeah, just accept it. <laughs> yeah, but I actually thought the explanation, I, I think in this case, M. Night... And this is where I think Split worked really well, too. I won't spoil the end of Split for you, but the twist on it really isn't even related to that movie. So Split works because the concept of it is just so interesting that by the end, the the twist or quote unquote, you know, whatever it is that he throws in is sort of just like a cherry on top. It's yeah. not dependent on your enjoyment of the Sunday. I kind of feel the same way about old. Yeah. And so the ending part, like you said, it does bring up a lot of ethical questions. Maybe we can talk about that real quick. So I would love to, actually, yeah. So sort of the evil – if I interpreted this correctly, and I haven't done much reading online afterwards, which typically I do with M. Night movies, this organization obviously knows about the beach and its effect on people. They don't really explain how they figured it out, I'm guessing, but they know about it. And they invite people there under the guise of them winning some all-inclusive vacation who have some sort of disease. They test medication on them and see how the medication works basically throughout the course of their life. And they know whether they can put it into trials. Now, the bad part about it is for this to happen, like if I have a family of five, I'm not going to go to an all-inclusive resort unless I'm a huge asshole by <laughs> myself for the weekend. So that's and sort of the moral dilemma. Weird. It makes it less suspicious. That's true, yes. But that is even the moral dilemma among the scientists that we see, right? As one of them, I think one of them doesn't he say something like, "Dude, we should not be bringing the families or the kids with them." Can we separate them? Well, but they, but like, it, you know that? Have you seen that meme? And it was something like, you know, ethical question you see in college. It's like, whereas there's one person tied to train tracks on one track, and there's five people tied to train tracks on another, and the train is going to hit one of them, and you have to pick. And the moral dilemma is like, you know, do you save that one person's life and kill multiple people or do you kill one person to save five? And I, I think that, that that made me think of that. This movie made me think of that because mm -hmm. like, let's just say in the one story we saw, like this is happening every day, right? They're sending sick people there every day. Yeah. Essentially. They cured. She had epilepsy. Right. And under this concept, they tested the mom with the tumor. The other woman with epilepsy, um, the doctor who had schizophrenia or dementia or whatever it was, um, and then mid-sized sedan had, like, not leukemia, but some blood. Some weird blood disease, yeah. So clearly there was four diseases being tested on the island. Three of them didn't pan out. But the epilepsy, she went equivalent of, what, like 60 years without having a seizure. Without having so a seizure, yeah. They essentially cured that, and they were going to put that into market. Like, so they just saw, you know, and to me, it's, it's such an epic. I love it because, she, yes, she was sacrificed, but how many lives now will that save? Right. But I do get it. Like, you can't bring them. You know, you can't do that. But my sister and I talked about it, um, too, because she saw it. And, like, do you think there's a type of person who would volunteer for something like this? Definitely. Yeah, you I did. Know? If they know they have a terminal disease and like, I don't know, it's what do you think about it? It's weird because in this case, it's one thing to volunteer for like an FDA trial, but to say that you have to give up your whole life in basically one day, is kind of a different 
negotiation. Um, I was kind of wondering too, sort of as an aside, the mom who had the tumor, they cut it out of her, but were we to conclude that that meant the medication was a success? Cause after that she seemed healed, but I don't know if, I think the tumor was benign, so it wasn't like dangerous to the rest of the body, but its growth was going to kill her. Mm-hmm. So that's how I took it. I'm not exactly sure. That, that, they they kind of left that one vague. I wasn't sure exactly. Like, And mid-sized sedan, I think he kind of got murdered before we were actually really able to figure out yeah. what was happening. With oh, that, and that's why they said, can we separate our, schizo- our mental health patients, too? From- yeah, that's, I forgot about that. That's what she said we weren't able to see how his medicine... Because he was killed by the doctor. He just went crazy. Yeah. I'm wondering about that Jack Nicholson movie. Did we ever forget what movie that was? What movie was that? I don't know. If you're someone at home who knows, comment below. He's like, guys, I will be. I will stop killing people if you just tell me the name. Of it's that. a simple ask. Okay. I thought that was such an interesting concept too, and he's like stabbing people, and it would immediately heal, so it wasn't like gonna kill. I don't know. That was right. Yeah. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, it's I don't crazy. know. I mean. I feel like this is something like in two hours, I'm going to text you something new that I think about the concept, but it is really intriguing. And especially because we don't really get it until the end. But I felt at least as far as like a quote unquote twist goes, I was not at all disappointed with that. No, it it was fine. And you said it best. It was an explanation, not a twist. Yeah. You didn't. And and honestly, like leave out your uh, below type comment on what you think about the ethical situation. Was this an evil company or were they doing for the greater good? I love these kind of thoughts. I, and that's why I really enjoyed the movie, because that's all it made me think. And I did think, too, it was kind of interesting how the character, actually, who M. Night Shyamalan played from the company, who was, like, filming and recording them on the hillside, that guy didn't give a shit that they knew he was there. No. So he was, he was like, lighting them. He's, like, smoking a cigarette, waving. Yeah. Hey, guys. With a spotlight. So I thought that was an interesting concept, too. We figure out probably halfway through the movie that they're definitely being watched. Yeah. Which was, I think that was meant for us to be like, who, who is this? You yeah. know, are they like for some sort of sick game show or something. And also, sorry, really quick. I was surprised that no one tried the concept that what that uh, woman suggested where they walk really slowly through. Right. The they all just like, we're like, no, we don't have the time. I'm like, well, otherwise you're doing what? Like. <laughs> Why and not? it was a great analogy he made. It's like uh, submerging yourself in like really deep water. Like if yeah. you try to come up all of a sudden, it'll just pass out. It sense too on the concept. But I'm like, why did not one person be like, well, I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck everything else. I guess last thing before we move on to best scene, the choral explanation of escaping. Did you have a good grasp on what that premise was at first i thought the coral itself was gonna there was something in it that would neutralize the magnetism yeah but i think it was just a way past the barrier for some I reason think i think yeah the coral blocks you know some sort of it's kind of like not you know like m night always likes to use the earth right in a he lot does. of or for abilities whether it was like in the happening or even signs um it, it's something about the coral was able to block what the, the what was coming off the rocks that was aging the cells. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I was fine with it. I mean, like, dude, if you're, I'm going to say, I'm going to have to believe in this beach that ages you, that I'm going to believe in a coral that can protect it. Right. Know. That's not where I draw the line. Like, yeah, oh, well. and, and I'm sure plenty of people will scoff at it. I don't know if you're, if, what I do, I go to movies to be entertained, right? Like, just, just enjoy it. And I got to say, the runtime here was perfect. It was yeah. like an hour 38 or something like that. Also loved Idlib. We never talked about. It. I love that little kid. He was, he was awesome. awesome. His little underbite was so cute. Yeah. 
or Idlib. All right, moving on to best scene. What was your favorite scene from the movie? And I kind of um, alluded to it earlier when I talked about my parents aging. It was the scene after everyone on the island is dead except for the main family. And they're all just sitting by the fire. The husband now is, you know, almost blind. The mother is deaf in one ear. And there, and it, it, I don't know, there was something about like, at the end of all things, you only have the moments you share with everyone. Like there's, there's bad that happens in every relationship. There's things that are people make people angry. But at the end, they were together and they were happy. And mm-hmm. I, I love that. And like, he goes, are we fighting about something? Because he's clearly not remembering anything anymore. And he's like, well, whatever it was, I, I'm not mad anymore. I'm not mad. Yeah. And then and then. And then he goes, why would we, were we ever, why were we trying to leave this beach? It's beautiful. Like he's forgotten everything. And mm-hmm. I don't know why that like struck a chord with me again. Cause it was very real. It's very real to be with your family and aging and you're just in, holding on to those moments. So I, I absolutely love that. In a movie that's supposed to be suspenseful and like twisty, like that was my favorite scene. Yeah. That was a scene where like you want to call your parents yeah. or your like the one who got away and be like, Hey, I'm can like, we just. Go to a Red Robin and figure this yeah. out, what happened. And, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was tremendously uh, done. And it was, it, for some reason, it was even more powerful because uh, Prisha's character obviously starting to lose her hearing, Guy starting to lose his vision. Like, it it felt so much more cerebral, them having that conversation. Like, it, it wasn't all just done through words. It was done yeah. through their physical closeness. And I can't that. remember, could the kids hear that conversation? Oh yeah, I think so. They were sitting right next to. Remember, she they, like she they were all holding each other. And when uh, when the the daughter uh, Maddox started singing for the mom right after that, that was pretty. Yeah, I love. I mean, there was an emotional realty to this movie mm-hmm. that outside of like just again the concept of aging and being with family like was so raw and authentic, and I think that's what sold me on the movie at the end of the day. For sure, my favorite scene. I was going to pick that one, but it actually kind of leads up to that one. It's when Guy kind of reveals to Prisha that he knew that she was sort of having an affair. Either I don't know if we figured out, was it just an emotional affair? Or was she actually like... I think it, I, I was imagining it was full-on affair. Okay. In that scene where he kind of realizes, like, look, I'm not trying to blame myself for all this, but I don't want you to think that I just, like, am going to hate you for the rest of your life and... Like, I made mistakes, too, in this relationship. And at that point, I don't think their mortality had set in. Like, they're thinking that still they can get off the island, which I don't want to say it's, like, not earnest for him to have that realization when he realized he's going to die. But it felt like it was coming from even more of a place of honesty because he's still thinking, like, yeah, we're going to get out of here. And Yeah. And he's like, that guy, you deserve better. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> you know. I just think the character of guys, some people might be like, oh, he's a fucking simp. But he just felt like everything he did in the movie was for some, he was thinking of someone besides himself. It was for his family. Yeah, I, I think genuinely he was. The, while you were supposed to focus on the mother and her demons and her coming together with her family, the, you could tell that he was this protagonist. He was just here to be a family man. And we needed that perspective because it would have been easy, kind of the way Prisha is portrayed, that everyone in the theater could have been like, dude, fuck this bitch. She's like, yeah. ruined this family. She cheated on her husband. Yeah. Like, I can't root for her. But when you yeah. kind of see her perspective of it, like, he's been distant and neglectful and 
You can even sort of see he's like a Ben Stiller's character in Along Came Polly because they have the yeah. same job. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Everything he does, he's like calculate. I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up and enjoy your vacation. For yeah, I probably needed someone who was a little more like, yeah, like that's why I love when he was like, can't make a decision. Like you saw his flaws in it. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, rewatchability. Uh, I'll go first. I will recommend this to someone to watch, especially in theaters. I think it was fun, but sort of the problem with M Night Shyamalan movies when you know where it's going at the end. I mean, there's little things you can pick up on. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of Easter eggs that hint towards the explanation, but part of the fun is that sort of reveal and its effect on you. And I'm not saying it's there's nothing to get out of the film on a second watch, but if you kind of know where it's ending up, it's a little bit harder to have those same emotions. So I don't think it's a very rewatchable movie, but I would recommend it to someone, especially if you like any of M. Night Shyamalan's movies, like previously, like Split Glass, some of his more recent stuff. I think there's something here for you to get out of it. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say I will probably not like actively rewatch it, but I will rewatch it. Like my wife hasn't seen it. So I'll probably watch it with her when it comes out. Mm-hmm. I, I will absolutely recommend it to everyone. Again, when it goes in the tiers of M. Night Shyamalan movies, I actually think it's in the upper half. Um, I, I think there's a lot to relate to just an emotional viewer than a normal M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, so I can see myself definitely rewatching this, whether it's to show someone else or, you know, years down the road being like, oh, I remember liking that movie. It's been a while. I might watch it again. Um, nothing I will probably seek, though, immediately. Like, I don't need to go to the theater right now and see it. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that family dynamic for rewatchability because I, I get, like, the reasoning and especially behind the plot device of the corporation, like, recruiting people with all different types of diseases to test these drugs on them they need to be on the island but i think this movie works best and it really hits its stride unfortunately it's not to like the last 25 minutes but when it's just the family on the beach yeah i love yeah exactly when and, you're not with the instagram model calcium deficient woman and the doctor <laughs> right and again i get like if you want to do an hour 40 minute movie m night's like well fuck dude i mean i can't write all that just for this family of four so sort of the way that the beach affects them is done through these other characters. But they all, I mean, they're all way less interesting to me than yeah. that family of four and what how they deal with what they deal with. It serves to bring the family to, together, I think, at the end of the day. Definitely. All right, last thing is our impact of the film. So, Cycle, I have a little exercise I want to do with you. I have gone through the main uh, M. Night Shyamalan filmography, and I think his movies break down into three tiers. A top tier, a middle tier, and then a lower tier. And I'm going to tell you what I have as his three Ooh, tiers. Okay. And you tell me whether you agree or not, and then where you would put old okay. um, in in one of these tiers. And also, just to, I, I didn't include this because I only did movies he wrote and directed, but M. Night Shyamalan wrote uh, Stuart Little <laughs> from 1999. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. What was the twist in that one, that he was actually a mouse? I'm, I need to go back and rewatch it. I don't remember. Maybe that Gina Davis, those weren't her real gums. Was the twist. <laughs> Did you see, like, someone once wrote on Twitter, like, oh, it's like the mouse from Stuart Litter. It's Little. And someone was like, what was the name of the mouse? And they're like, Stuart, huh? Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> Are you fucking with me? I don't get it. All right. So we'll go top tier first. This one, I think, is there's only one in here that might be debatable. And it's just because I'm a big fan of it. Again, this is my opinion. Top tier is Unbreakable, Sixth Sense, Signs, and then I put Split in there. I like, yeah. With James McAvoy, because I really, really like Split. So that's his top tier of films. His second tier is 
and again, I probably like some of these movies more than most people, but I have The Village, The Visit, Glass. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if you've ever seen this, but that movie Devil, where all the people are trapped in the elevator. I have not, no. Okay, I put Devil in his middle tier. And then his bottom tier, I have After Earth, Lady in the Water, Happening, and Avatar, The Last Airbender. I, I think I agree with you for the most part. I actually think, and what's interesting about that third tier when you talk about After Earth and the Airbender, those are like not really M. Night Shyamalan type movies. Correct. Like those are, you know, some, one of these doesn't match the others, right? Like the few times he's tried to go do these kind of things, it just, you know, hasn't worked. I've watched After Earth. Actually, my wife and I watched it. It was the most fun we've ever had. Because really? It's so bad. It's so bad. We had a blast. Like, well, it's the kind of bad it. movie you'll like. I, just, I don't know. We were cracking up the whole time. There's nothing redeemable about that movie. Don't get me wrong. But it is fun to watch if you're drunk and wanting a bad movie. Um, I am also, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the pod, but you know this. I am a big defender of The Village. Me too. You know, I think the twist in The Village is incredible. I, I'm sorry to say this. I think it just is too smart for people. Like, yeah. And I won't spoil the twist. but it's, it's not a smart twist. But, like, to really appreciate it. I don't know. I I will defend the, the village. I think it's a great movie the whole time. And Same. everyone always the, the twist just ends it for them. I'm the opposite. Everyone has an opinion. I get it. But I so village is right on that cusp to me of that second tier, first tier. I'd probably put this one in the second tier. I put old in the second tier. I think um, so, too. Because in the second tier doesn't mean anything bad. I actually enjoyed every one of those movies you mentioned in second tier. But it's not stand out the way unbreakable and six cents were you know it's like those kind of were like monumental right so i'm with you completely i I think this is a good solid second tier m night Shyamalan movie and if you haven't seen the visit great twist have you seen the visit no because okay so mad at me for not seeing that one she Mm -hmm. loves that one and again i won't spoil the twist for you but do you know what the twist is i know i I know part of it so okay it's that one is pretty epic um i need to watch that movie yeah yeah, I mean, he's such a polarizing filmmaker. Like, because the gap between his first tier and third tier is massive. It's huge, yeah. I feel like. But when he's on, he's on. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Old fits comfortably in that second tier. Um, it's about as good as Glass. I really liked Glass, but I was not, like, as far as M. Night Shyamalan yeah. movies, there was nothing, like, whoa. There's nothing wrong with the movie that, at the end of the day, you walk out of the theater, and you're like, that was fun. I'm glad I spent the last, you know, two hours in there. Like, yeah. All right, before we let the people go, Cycli, final thoughts on old. Yeah, I, one, it was great to be in the movie theater again. This was probably like the third movie I've seen in the theater since. I, I don't know if your theater had it, but M. Night had a little speech before the yeah. movie, um, which I thought was interesting and fun, which I do agree with to a point. I love our accessible accessibility to movies now, like watching it at home. But there is just something different about watching it in theaters. It, it's so much better. Um, and I feel like M. Night is definitely one of those kind of directors that needs people in the theaters because you're watching this at home. You're probably on your phone half the time. You're checking text messages. You're getting up. You're doing whatever. And you don't really appreciate a lot of the subtlety that M. Night does bring to the theater. So I understand why there's some directors who are on opposite sides of the spectrum on this. So um, there... Overall, my final thoughts is I'm glad I saw it in theaters. I'm glad M. Night is still doing his thing, um, as polarizing as he is. I think it's hilarious that on Rotten Tomatoes, I think this is right at 50%. So, just yeah. 
totally am night. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely recommend it if you go in just with the mindset of going to enjoy going to the movie theater experience. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I regrettably, like, even if it's something I'm really interested in, I'm getting kind of bad at, like, watching a movie at home. There's just so many other stimuli. I'm, again, yeah. on, on Twitter, and I'm doing stupid shit I shouldn't be doing. So to get me in the theater, which M. Night does, is a nice uh, change of pace. But I feel the same way. If you're an M. Night fan, you got to go see this. If you're even intrigued remotely by the premise of it, I think there is enough in the movie to make you feel like it was a justified viewing and you won't feel necessarily let down. Yeah. I would actually say if you're an M night, if you don't, if you're an M night hater, this is might be the one time to go see it because again, I think the storyline actually works on a human level. Unlike, mm -hmm. so that's true. Yeah. It's not super. I mean, I think the real meat and potatoes of this are in, in like the beginning of the third act. Like it's really before sort of you realize what's going on, which is great. All right, for our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycli, I am the mayor, Jeff Hornacek, and we are the Bro4 Squad podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Follow us on Twitter at Bro4Squad. You can find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify if you type in Bro4Squad as three separate words. And check out everything we post on our website, Bro4Squad.com. Till next time, Cycli and I have to go check out the free candy station. Oh, God, mix the vanilla with the strawberry. Was he talking about like drinks? I was like, I don't know, but I wanted it. <laughs> it's like, okay, that kid, poor, what's his name, Idlib? He's like, he's there all day, every day. He's like, look, bro, I know all the candy mixtures. Just ask me. I don't like that the parents, like, am I? Like, I'm